0: Welcome to the Light Your Heart With Hope podcast. I'm Erin, and I'm so thankful you're here. My hope and prayer are that through listening to today's episode, God will encourage you and do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine. Who are your people? The ones who you can go to when you feel like you have nowhere to run. The ones who will hold you up when you feel like you can't find the strength to stand. The ones who will love you no matter what. The ones who let you lean on their faith when yours is faltering. The ones who will help carry the burden of your pain. Who are your people? Maybe you're listening and you feel like all your people disappeared the moment darkness entered your story. People who promised to be there and love you, but left when things got hard. If this is you, I believe you will connect with Beth and her amazing story. When her daughter Eden was diagnosed with a fatal disease and years later went to heaven, Beth lost her closest friends, the people in her life she thought would stand by her side in the midst of the suffering. Although it broke her heart to watch people walk out of her life, she watched God bring life and hope into her loneliness. When people left, he brought new people into her life, people she didn't even know she needed, but God did. He knew the people Beth needed in her life during her season of suffering. And he knows the people you need in your life, too.
1: Up, I would say I was pretty stable and did like to do predictable things. And then when I was 17, I went to Honduras for three weeks, and I loved it. And there is nothing stable or predictable about being there. And I loved it so much that I decided to study um, Spanish and education. And I really thought I would probably live in a um, Spanish-speaking country forever. I went every summer through college, and then I lived there for two full years, and I was an elementary teacher. Loved it. I still love the school where I taught. Through that, I spent a lot of time away from my family. I learned a completely different culture and language. That changed me a lot, and um, it gave me tools for working with the kids I taught I taught in a couple of different lower-income inner-city schools, so it gave me a lot of tools to be able to reach them. My choices have not been the safe, stable, but my feeling is you need to be where God wants you to be, and that might be in an upper-class, quote-unquote, safe school neighborhood environment but you are safest where God wants you to be, even if that is in the middle of nowhere without anybody that you know. I adopted Eden when she was 18 months old. She was born in Ethiopia and she was severely malnourished Um, when I met her and very, very delayed. But as she got nutrition in her and as she got the love of a family, she started getting stronger, and so for the first few months home, she gained strength and gained in her milestones, but then after about three months, her development kind of stalled, um, and then a few months later, it started regressing. And that was when she was diagnosed with late infantile metachromatic leukodystrophy. It was right at her second birthday when she was diagnosed. And it was difficult to figure it out because she was adopted. So we had no um, biological parents to get a good idea of what was going on. So it took about two months, I guess, to get an official diagnosis. And we spent most of those two months in the hospital because she had such severe difficulties with eating. And so we went into the hospital eating by mouth and came out and she had a TJ tube and was on TPN. Um, So life changed drastically during that time. And before I adopted her, I I was a teacher and I traveled a lot. I lived in Honduras and I taught Spanish, high school Spanish, and I spent most of my time in the neighborhood where I taught. But with my life suddenly changing with her diagnosis and increased care, then really everything changed. Eden's initial regression was probably the most rapid and the most difficult. And throughout her life, she would go through periods of regression and then stabilization. But initially, she had a feeding tube, she had a central line for TPN, um, lots of respiratory equipment. She was in the hospital very often. I was working and it was really difficult to be able to work and take care of her needs. We had an awesome developmental preschool where she was until she just kept getting sick constantly. So she was in a really good developmental preschool until she was right at four, I guess. And then I had to make Um, some difficult decision because we were living in the hospital. Um, The state where I had lived didn't provide nursing. We actually went to court to get nursing. And even though they were supposed to, and it is written in their Medicaid standards, they do everything they can to put kids in nursing homes instead of providing the in-home nursing they needed. So her palliative care doctor just said, you need to move because Eden is they initially thought she might live a year and this was probably two and a half years later and she said Eden is going to live as long as Eden wants to live and so you need to have the support. So we moved and um, away from family and friends and it really was a good decision because then we had 24-7 nursing and Eden lived her last three years there, and she was happy and comfortable and at home. And I had all the support that I needed to be able to take care of her. And we had great local doctors who loved her and saw her for for who she was. I adopted Estella about 18 months after Eden died. And I adopted Estella. She was born in China, and she was two when I adopted her. She was born with um, a condition called... Esophageal atresia and hers is type A long gap, which means she was essentially born. From what we can tell, she had no distal esophagus. So she had a little bit of an esophagus and then they pulled her stomach up to make it um, an esophagus when she was about three months old, is what we can figure from her, the medical records that I do have. And I do have quite a few medical records for her, which has been helpful. The surgery that she had. And before I adopted her did save her life, but it made it really hard for her to eat. And she's had two major surgeries working on kind of undoing that surgery and fixing it where she will be able to eat. The most recent one was about a month ago um, and I've seen positive changes. So we're hopeful that we can at least delay the final surgery, if not just skip it altogether. So we're going to give her some time with that. She also had a lot of associated conditions that the specialists that we went to were very familiar with, and they were able to assess her for immediately. But it's required a lot of surgeries. I don't, I don't even know at this point how many surgeries she has had. She's very familiar with surgery and very vocal. She does not want another surgery. She's at a good place right now, and that's very helpful for both of us. I remember thinking when. Eden was diagnosed that this wasn't a surprise to God. He knew exactly what he was doing. And when he chose me to be her mom, he knew exactly what was going to come. And he was exactly the same as he was the day before she was diagnosed and he's still the same. And so Having, When you have a child who's terminally ill and you know you cannot save them, you can choose to completely be angry at God and completely turn away and run the other direction. Or you can choose to look to him for hope. And knowing that most likely Eden was going to be in heaven before me, the only thing that made sense to me was to continue to keep my faith and trust in Christ, because that's where I want to be. Someday we will be together in heaven again. The people closest to me at the time that she was diagnosed were probably the people that I worked with, and then also the people that I went to church with. And the people I worked with were wonderful. My entire hall, especially, they would just go when they went to the store, when they went to buy things in bulk. They would come to school with their arms full and load my car full. They would bring me food for supper. They were truly amazing. My, the people I worked with were so amazing. Um, and the people that were, at the time, I consider my closest friends just, I couldn't do the same things that um, I did before, and I couldn't be involved the same way that I had been before they really just disappeared. And that was one of the hardest things for me and something very unexpected that I was losing my daughter, but I also lost the people that were my closest friends. Watching other people and what, what I see in the past on TV is communities rally around families whose children are, are diagnosed with these with horrible illnesses. And that wasn't my experience. But the more people I've gotten to know in the local district free community, really, I think my experience is pretty typical. Um, A lot of people do not get that support. And it is confusing and it is hurtful and it is stressful. I've been so thankful that I've been able to connect with families because then I know it wasn't my fault that everybody disappeared. It It was nothing that I did. And really, there's nothing I could do to change that. And I'm so thankful that I have such close friends because, still, even now, almost six years since Eden has been in heaven, my closest friends I can still say are my leukodystrophy family friends because we've gone through something similar. And my closest friends still have their kids with them. And it's really okay that they haven't experience the same loss that I have. Um, they've experienced the day-to-day, and they are the people that I still call and text when I have a stressful day or want to share something, something exciting with them. So many times I've been afraid, especially with COVID. I think COVID just magnified everything, all the fears, and especially with the Stella being fragile and susceptible to respiratory illness. But it's helpful to remember what God has brought me through until now because I've been through so much and he has been faithful every single time he has been faithful. And when I am so, when I'm afraid and stressed, then I just remember that he has taken care of me until now. And he's, he is still here. Times that I've probably been the most angry with God was when I realized I had lost my close circle of friends and realized that they're, you know, we didn't have contact. There was nothing I could do to get those friendships back um, because you can't make somebody want to be there when they don't. And that was probably probably about two years into her diagnosis was when I was finally able to just say, okay, this is how it is. And I can either choose to be angry forever, or I can choose to move forward and know that life is still somehow I will still have more I will have more friends life will be okay and I can't let the anger consume me um having a child with medical needs times two is very isolating it's been my past 11 years so when I didn't have my closest friends around it's hard to make more friends because you're not able to be in the situations that everybody else is. then And that that is really hard, not knowing, thinking, okay, I have absolutely no way to get out and make friends, and I have to just be at peace with that. And that's kind of in my last year, because Estella had surgery after surgery, which meant we had to keep her healthy, which meant we were in the house most of the time. Thankfully, I have my mom, and... My mom also was taking extra precautions because she did not want to get sick either. And um, so my parents, I've been able to spend time with them. And that has really been helpful. Though I think we're all somewhat relieved that Estella is not waiting for surgery. And we are able to do many normal things now. I'm hopeful now that we will, I have some connections still from The school where I worked here and I'm hopeful that I'll be able to make some closer friendships and deepen some of them that have already been started where we are now that we have a little sense of normalcy. I'm really not joyful all the time. I get very angry at times as well, but when it comes down to it, you get to choose. You get to choose The way this day is going to go. And if you wake up angry, then you can be certain the day is not going to go well. And sometimes that's just how my day goes. Um, But I try to, especially since my attitude affects my daughter, um, I try to make good choices and just wake up and say, Today is going to be an awesome day and do things that. Help make it go that way. Um, even today, it was we didn't end up going to the park, and it could have been really sad. But I just said, "Okay, we're going to go to the park as soon as we get up in the morning, so that we make sure we get there before it gets too hot." Um, and we're both good with that. Instead of it being a really sad and um, angry afternoon, we're gonna watch. We're gonna watch movies if. For other people who are suffering with similar loss, um, going through similar things, the thing that's helped me most is to find who my people are and find who is going to be that person I can call or text whenever. Um, Connect with people that are going through similar things because that's probably where you're going to find your people or your person, um, because they will be able to understand you in a way that other people can't. And it's okay. If your friends change, Um, your life has changed dramatically and you shouldn't expect everything to be exactly the same as it was before, because you can't go back and be a different person than you are now. And that is okay. And it's good. It's how God Grows you and helps you move to where he wants you. When you suffer such a great loss and you know your child is in heaven, there's really nothing else to focus on except for the hope in Christ, because that is what that is what gets me through the day. If I am sad and I miss even so much, I just remember she's not suffering like she was. She truly is not. And I don't want other people to tell me that, but if, because it's not comforting if someone else says she's, she's not suffering, but it truly is when it registers in my mind. And I know she isn't suffering and I will see her again someday. And I cannot imagine living without that hope. You know, sometimes if you, It's really hard sometimes, especially when you can't have a visible, this is how God's working in your life. But one thing, especially with everything unexpected with Estella, I can see how God has been worked, how he worked through Eden to put her with me because everything that we dealt with, I had already done before with Eden, not as many surgeries, but I didn't, it was, you know, I'm sorry, she has to, I'm sorry, we have to do this. I'm sorry, she has to have a feeding tube. Um, I'm sorry, we have to do respiratory treatments and things like that. But the doctor says, okay, this is what you do. And I've been able to do a lot without with her having minimal time in the hospital. And, you know, in, in another case, they would say, like when we were discharged from surgery, she was still throwing up, not tolerating her full feeds. And I said, I've got this. Send this home. We'll be fine. As long as we don't need IV antibiotics. I When she got her feeding tube, we had a flight three days later. And I said, I will push it 10 mils every few minutes so that we can get on that flight and go home because we didn't have a feeding pump or anything. And because I had... That experience, and I knew exactly what to do with her, it has saved her a lot of trauma. And it's, it has, you know, if she was placed with another family, I can't imagine what her life would have been like because she did need what I had learned from her sister to be able to get to the place where she is today. And I think that has been helpful for me, just being able to visibly see how God has worked in my life and the life of my daughters to make sure they both had what they needed and somehow let me be fearless and figuring out what they needed and just do it and not worry about it and not not be stressed about it and just this is what they need this is what I'm going to do and that's how it is um that's been that's helpful and I think it's hard if you can't If there's nothing you can remember tangibly, but I also think that a lot of people, if they stopped and thought about it, they could probably find some way that God has worked in their life up until now and see some way that he has used the suffering and what they're going through to get them to where they are right now. I knew that Eden had malnutrition and developmental delays, but that wasn't really uncommon for a kiddo um born in Ethiopia. Um and so I had no idea what I'd had no idea the severity of her um condition. And with Estella, I knew there could be other things, but I say we hit the lottery. We had she had every single possible condition that could have gone um with what I knew. And that isn't that isn't really typical. Um, but it is. And I had dealt with surprises before. And just like with a biological kiddo, if there's a surprise, you're going to take care of your child. You're going to figure out how to help them. And so they're no different. That just because I didn't know every single piece of information, it didn't make either of my girls any less mine. I had always wanted to adopt. I think God put that on my heart at a very young age because He knew exactly what was coming. And I can't really say that there is a specific, okay, this is what happened to make me want to adopt. It was just always on my heart.
0: Who are your people? I believe God brings people in and out of our life during seasons. Some remain, some walk away, and then some walk in when you least expect it. God doesn't intend for us to walk through life alone. His plan is not for you to bear your pain on your own. We are called to be in community because God knows we need it, especially during times of heartache. People may walk away, but God never will. Trust that He will bring the people into your life that are meant to be there for such a time as this. He knows who and what you need in every moment, and He promises to provide everything you need for life and godliness. Don't cling to those who walk away cling to Christ. Thank you so much for being here. I hope that Beth's story encourages you to share your own story. You matter, your life matters, and your story can make an impact that matters for eternity. Make a difference today for someone who is fighting for their tomorrow.